0: Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnansky, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael,
1: welcome. Joe, thanks for having me.
0: You're very, very welcome. You know, we we're always breaking new ground here on the podcast.
1: <laughs> I mean, no, no, we're you know, not. We're, yes, we're oh, always you. breaking new ground. <laughs> You can't. That's so misleading. You can't start. I know what I know what you're about to say, because we have a special guest today. It's very exciting. But you, you cannot. That's literally. Uh, that's an actionable. That's a legally actionable statement you just made. That is absolutely false, and I demand that you retract it.
0: I'm just saying that based on what I'm seeing around the country, you can say whatever you want.
1: I oh. don't think there's
0: any. Okay. There's nothing preventing us. In fact, I'm going to just say this Peabody Award-winning podcast yeah. is always breaking new ground. I we, think that's... I think.
1: Well, one of the ways we broke new ground is we won five Peabody's in one year, which had never been done before. Never
0: been done before. It's
1: we exactly have... Light. Our last podcast was downloaded an all-time record 200 trillion times. <laughs> and now that's, we're breaking even more new ground by having another special guest. By
0: on. having another special guest. We loved having a guest, and but this is a really, really special guest. We have... Uh, with us Alan Seppenwald, just critic galore I don't I don't what what am I gonna call you Alan is there something I can call you is there like a like a title I can give you
2: um I, I write about TV
0: Critic galore we're going to the critic galore that's basically what we're doing here um, no you Alan, is, Alan couldn't be more fantastic. There's a very, very special reason we're having Alan on here, but but Alan, we would have you on anyway because you're just awesome. You're just great.
2: Thank you. Am I allowed to say thank you for having me, or is that trademarked?
0: Oh, it no, is. go ahead. <laughs>
2: thank, well, there you go. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, no, this is great. This is great. So w- there is a special reason we're having Alan on. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some TV stuff will come up as, as we go, uh, but there's a very special reason we're having him on. But before we do that, Uh, we have to do our, our, we have to thank our sponsor, uh, which we do uh, every now and again. Our sponsor is of course, uh, Blue Apron and, uh, Blue Apron is the number one farm to good delivery food service. I say this every time. I don't, I still don't know what any of that means. Um, they deliver, uh, awesome fresh food to your house with recipes and, and, uh, it's amazing. We do it uh, every week. We get our uh, box of Blue Apron food, comes to the house. We unpack it as a family. It's all these fresh ingredients. We we make the recipes together. It's a family bringing it together. It's very healthy. It's awesome. And if you go to blueapron.com/podcast, p-o-s-c-a-s-t, you get your first three meals free. Uh, I would assume all of you are doing that. Really, my number one goal, though, is to get Michael to finally do the Blue Apron thing he's been promising to do for months now. Where do we stand on that, Michael?
1: I uh, still have not done it.
0: <laughs> you just haven't done it. You want to. I know you I want to
1: do it. I desperately want to. I, there, uh, I, uh, I just haven't managed to get the uh, probably 45 seconds That it would take to fill out the form (laughs) and request my free blue apron box, but definitely intend to, and it doesn't have any, the fact that I haven't does not in any way, uh, indicate my feelings about the product. Which I think is wonderful.
0: It is wonderful. It yeah. really is. I, I, I say that in all sincerity. Alan, have you have you done Blue Apron? Alan, I've not, but I probably should because you
2: know one of the big complaints that my wife and I have is just what a hassle it is to actually make dinner for the four of us all the time. And this sounds like it would be much much easier.
0: It's fantastic, Alan. I'll tell you what I'll do for you because because <laughs> you're you're a very you're 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 a great friend. Um, I'll get you three free meals. Three free meals. All you got to do is go to blueapron.com forward slash podcast. And those are – I'm doing that for you. I'm doing that specifically for you.
2: So no one else can then use this offer?
0: It's just – No, for they me? all – everybody <laughs> can. Everybody can use it. No, no
1: Joe, Joe, Joe uh, admires and respects you so much that he's going to extend that offer to the entire country.
0: Exactly. So exactly. It, it's
1: for you. He invented it for you, but he's also now extending in, it to everyone else in America.
0: In there you go. Honor. I get it. Okay. Yeah. I like that. It is the Alan seppenwald deal. That's basically what we're calling it. In fact, I'm going to see if we can get it switched to forward slash Alex <laughs> Seppenwald. Just see if we can get that done over the next few days.
1: I All feel right. like, um, you know, uh, we run a really tight ship here, a very professional <laughs> outfit. Um, but I feel like we, we would be remiss if we didn't say specifically uh, the, what Alan Seppenwald's actual title is, right? He's he's actually a TV critic. He has a book out called uh, that he co-wrote with his old co-worker, Matt Zoller Seitz, called TV the Book, right? It's still yes. in stores now. Available on Amazon.
0: Fantastic.
1: What else are we supposed to say? It's a great book. What else are we supposed to say that you write for uh, uh, HitFix?
2: Ah, uh, now now UpRocks HitFix. Was now Uproxx. HitFix up rocks. was that's right. So we have an extra uh, X. It's good.
1: <laughs> that <was> the main <laughs> the main thing that got negotiated in the deal where UpRocks bought HitFix was the it was a number of X's that would appear. Uh, and that you, that's it We Do we cover everything now?
2: And I do my own podcast now Called TV Avalanche Which we aspire to the professionalism Of the podcast We're not there yet But we're hoping to one day be as polished As the two of you are
0: How possible is it even to be a less professional than us? Like I, I like, well, What do you have to do? Be like, like, do you guys actually, like, you know, just do it, like, in your underwear? Like, what What do you have to do to be less professional than what we do? Great uh, question. Uh, there's some
2: leaning out of windows and shouting, I think. <laughs> oh, like, we haven't done that. Come on.
0: I mean, that's ridiculous.
1: But remember, Joe, we did not have microphones until, like, two months ago. So.
0: And, and this, by the way, is our second uh, week with a guest, also our second all-time
1: with a that's guest. That's
0: right. So... <laughs> All right, there is, a, there is a very special reason Alan is with us. Alan is – I should have mentioned the book. I mean, as, as an author, that was – that was I really was remiss in, in not mentioning TV, the book, which is fantastic. Uh, everywhere where you can buy books, you'll, you'll find it on Amazon and, and Barnes & Noble and all those places. Um, but Alan's not here for any of that. Alan is here because Alan is a, a Yankees uh, fan, and uh, he's the only one that Michael and I will actually talk to. And um, – <laughs> And this is this is we are in an emergency situation. This is actually an emergency podcast uh, because we are doing the entire podcast as the Yankee Minute because we are in we're it's we are in crisis. We are absolutely. Michael agree. We're in crisis. Oh, this
1: is. I mean, this is DEFCON one. It really. (laughs) I I hate to be alarmist, but we are at DEFCON one. Uh, and that, by the way, Defcon, the Defcon system is it's uh, as it's, it's, not, wonderful. it's, well, it's it, one is the most uh, one is the scariest. Right. Five is the safest. Defcon one is the is the highest risk of disaster and calamity. We are at Defcon one a month into the season just to lay it out. And I want Alan uh, to to make a sort of st- a statement here in a second about how he feels about the team. But just a quick summary of what's happening. The Yankees have the uh, one of the best records in baseball. They have a player named Aaron Judge on their team who is—he's uh, seven eight, and he weighs five hundred and fifty pounds, and he currently leads the entire majors in wins above replacement. He is number one. He has more WAR than Mike Trout than Ryan Zimmerman, than Brian Harper, than Paul Goldschmidt, than anybody else in baseball. He's been worth more wins to his team than anyone else. His OPS is 1.251 through his first 88 at-bats. He is on pace. I know that it's small sample sizes, blah, blah, blah. He is on pace to hit 81 home runs (laughs) this season. He is impossible to get out. It's like Andre the Giant is playing basketball against a group of third graders. They are their pitching somehow has been unstoppable. Pedro Martinez has betrayed me and been helping Luis Severino, and now Severino's unhittable. Somehow CC Sabathia had a bad game the other night, but he's he's like found a he's now he's fifty years old and he's pitching great. <laughs> They're doing all of this, by the way. Without Gary Sanchez, who did what Aaron Judge is doing this year, last year, he's been out the entire year with an injury and it was coming back soon. And, uh, and also Greg Bird, their highly touted first base prospect is like six for his first 60 and has been sent down to like work on his swing and figure it out. But he's not going to, he's a great, he's a very highly rated prospect. There's no way that he hits 100 for the rest of the year. The t- they lead, they're scoring more runs than anybody. They're hitting more home runs than anybody. They've got like five great young players. They seem unstoppable. It's May 4th. I'm losing my mind. I'm literally <laughs> losing my mind. And so we've brought Alan Sappenwall on to essentially rub it in our faces, I guess. What are we even doing? I don't know. Why what are we we're doing, doing this?
0: Why did we do this? I don't this know. This is a
1: terrible idea, but I would like to hear Alan now. Go ahead. Tell us how you feel about this team.
2: Well, after the way you described it, I feel really great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you.
2: No, here is my favorite of all the statistics about this young season so far, which is uh, the Boston Red Sox as a team have 17 home runs. Yankee outfielders named Aaron have 18 home (laughs)
1: runs. Oh,
2: my God. Between Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks. So (sighs) this is a fun team. And, you know, some of it's over their head, and some of it's not going to be sustainable. But as you said, Sanchez hasn't really played at all. I think he was in one or two games, wasn't hitting when he played, bird hasn't hit some other people haven't hit so as some people come back down to earth others are going to rise up and it's fun and it's the most i've enjoyed
0: a yankee team in a really long time oh, it makes me so sad i, I just worst, it, it right? hurts it, it just hurts to hear you say that i'm glad we had you on to say that um <laughs> you know there, there are a couple of things that, that I, i'd like to add i mean i think i think you more or less covered it um but let, let's say something about aaron judge aaron judge is on pasted, 81 home runs or whatever. He has 13 home runs in 25 games uh, so far this year. Those 13 home runs have traveled, I believe, 79 miles, right? Yeah. I mean, like when yeah. you combine them together. They're, he doesn't hit – he hit one cheapy the other day, uh, like one cheapy Yankee Stadium home run where he kind of poked it the other way and and it went – other than that, they're like the longest home runs I've ever seen. I mean, they're like, they're like Mark McGuire in his prime home runs. And he's 25. He's just he, – he. everybody was like going, you know, he's got potential, but it's going to take time. He's so big. He's got a big unwieldy swing. It's going to – it's not taking time at all. He's like ridiculous already. Uh, to me, he sort of represents this, – this Yankee team is, I think, already there. I think they're already very, very good. I, I do think there will be some bumps in the road, but their future is – sick i mean it's we're talking the next decade that this team will probably be haunting our dreams and and i can't i don't know what to do about it i just well, don't know what to do about it well here's
1: the other problem first of all yeah aaron judge is hitting home runs to parts of Yankee Stadium that no one has ever seen because <laughs> the camera television yeah like the cameras never the cameras follow his balls and the, and they land in places where you are like, oh, that's what that looks like out there I know that. <laughs> like uh, that's what the, like the the basically just to the left of Dead Center where the new monument park is, you never see the camera never shows that because the balls never travel to that part of the universe and that and now they are. So, yeah, that's a huge problem. But the the other huge problem, and the part of this that, again, this is the part of the Yankee teams that drives me crazy year in, year out, is it's not just... That they have Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks, and uh, you know soon Gary Sanchez, who you know was a, a thorn in our side last year. Right. It's that Starlin Castro yes. has a thousand OPS yeah, through the yeah. first twenty six games. Yeah. How does Starlin Castro <laughs> have a thousand? Starlin Castro has more home runs than anyone on the Red Sox yeah. by, by like easily. Matt Holliday, who's uh, who just this year qualified for the a- AARP, he's yeah, now in the AARP. True. That is true. He has a 915 OPS and five home runs. He has more home runs than anyone on the Red Sox. Chase Headley. Chase Headley's terrible. (laughs) Chase Headley's a a terrible baseball player. He has a 900 OPS. All of these guys that you that you can in your head count on as being holes in their lineup. It's not just that they're not holes. They are actively winning games with their bat. It doesn't make any sense. I, and I don't under every other team who, who picks up a bunch of sort of veteran players like Matt Holiday and Chase Headley. Every other team has like a one in four success rate with those players contributing actively to the team. The rest of them are usually sort of replacement level. Somehow or another, this team, every guy they pick up like that ends up like having the best You know, 150 at that stretch of their entire careers. Alan, explain this to me. Please, I'm begging you, tell me that there's, give me some fact that I don't know that there is a magic pixie dust kind of a situation so that I can feel better about what is seemingly a random thing that benefits the Yankees every year.
2: Well, I mean, certainly we could credit, you know, Kurt Schilling's two favorite strippers, Mystique and Aura, for all of the things (laughs) that are going on. But. Starlin Castro was a very highly touted prospect what seems like 30 years ago because he came up when he was five years old and he was playing for the Cubs for a long time, but he was very highly regarded and then just became one of those guys who swings at everything. Every now and then you have someone like that. They finally become more selective. He's not chasing as many bad pitches as he used to. And, you know, the other skills are there. So that that's working. Chase Headley has had a couple of other good seasons back when he was in San Diego that suggested this skill was in there, and then you know I wanted him to go away very quickly when he came to the Yankees. But like that's not unusual. Matt Holliday, a really good ball player. J- yes, he's eight thousand years old, but it's uh, I'm very pleased, and it's I'm just happy. I, I, I don't even want to overthink it too this much. Is,
0: it's this that is good. Su- that is such a Yankee. Oh, you know, Stanley Castro used to be. John Stanley Castro was never good. Not not this good. Never ever. You know, I remember when years ago the the uh, uh, Sports Illustrated put Sterling Castro on the cover, and I had just started there not that long uh, before, and they put him on the cover, and I said to the people in in you know very a very I think I, I think appropriate way I said Are you guys out of your mind? Why did you put Sterling Castro on the cover? And like, oh, he's a great prospect. I'm like, he's a, not a great prospect. Keith Law aside, um, because he swings at everything, like you say. And uh, and he's a line drive hitter, and 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 you know guys who swing at everything and are line drive hitters don't make it. Uh, and he was he was what I thought he'd be. I mean, he was fine. He was a two eighty hit or whatever. What he's doing for the Yankees is ridiculous now, and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. I mean, it's not. None of it seems fluky. None of it, anything for the Yankees are doing are fluky. So to make us feel better, Alan, can you tell us what like the last three years have been like i mean oh great <laughs> idea yeah kind of, kind of crappy i mean a little bit you know with with i mean obviously you, you only made the playoffs once god you know i know it's that's rough but but i mean has it been kind of horrible the last three years at least uh well i mean it hasn't it, it hasn't because certainly i've been able to tune into
2: the yankee minute and listen to you guys tear your hair <laughs> out over the fact that the team was <laughs> never bottoming out but Look, I grew up, you know, I came of age in the 80s. The, the two Reggie Jackson World Series teams, I was too young to remember those. So God. most of my formative baseball memories are of the Yankees being overpriced disappointments, you know, and then bottoming out with teams that were playing Alvaro Espinosa and things like that. So uh, to me, nothing that's happened the last few years was nearly as bad as that it was just sort of uninspired it was an old team overpriced too many guys who were just waiting out the end of their contracts and then fortunately the team was really awful last year in April and it you know dug them such a hole that they were willing to to sell at the deadline and now we got this team and I like this team
0: can you, um, can you repeat all that great stuff about the 80s? I want to get, like, some dramatic music to play while you're <laughs> talking about about the days when the Yankees used to be terrible. Boy, those were good times. Those were just good days.
1: I'm going to also say that because we respect you and admire you and you were generous enough to come on this podcast with us, we're not going to ask you to talk about the Knicks. <laughs> oh, so <you> can- why? <laughs> why? why would you do that? Look, <laughs> let, me, let me have this.
2: Let me have this. They're going to ruin okay. us. They're going to chase him out of town. I, uh, let me have Aaron Judge, please.
1: I will let you have nothing. Do you understand me? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> New York gets nothing.
0: My, my offer is this. <laughs> nothing.
1: <laughs> Just a couple facts to throw in the mix here as, a, as the official – I don't know if you guys know this. I'm the official statistician of the podcast. Uh, so some, a couple stats for you. Starlin Castro OPS 2015 with the Cubs. 671 2016 with the yankees 733 so far in 2017 with the yankees 945 that is not normal cheese headley ops 2014 with the yankees and and uh, padres 700 2015 with the yankees 693 2016 with the yankees 712 so far in 2017 891 these random role players have a, have 200 points more of OPS than their average season in the last three years they're all doing it at the same time that's what I don't understand how do they all get to do it at the same time why isn't the story that one of them is Chase Headley and the other one is Pablo Sandoval and he's a nice. disaster and he falls apart and he's like oh well there's things are going pretty well except that our third baseman is, is the last year the first year in Boston Pablo Sandoval, who was paid a lot of money, yeah. was was the least valuable everyday player in baseball. Not one of the least valuable. The least valuable. How does that never happen to the Yankees? Alan? Because,
0: <laughs> because
2: the Yankees don't sign third baseman whose guts are only slightly smaller than mine? I... <laughs> I,
0: I I think that the beat that we have to discuss this, because this is actually a very Fair point. Obviously, you, you know Michael is obviously a big Red Sox fan, and it's even look the Red Sox are not. I mean, they're fine. They're not. They're not. They're not certainly having. They're not falling apart. They're fine. They've got a winning record. They're, they're fine. But that said, it's kind of lousy in Boston right now. It's kind of. I mean, obviously, all of the Adam Jones stuff that you have to talk about. That that was awful. Just awful. That must have been made you really feel bad as a, as a Red Sox fan.
1: Oh, it was the worst. Was the worst. I mean, like. The, the the their te- this team in the city i truly believe made a lot of progress over the last 20 years and sure. in, in this in the world of racial relations and in large part that's because most of their best players were not white pedro <laughs> martinez and and david ortiz like the dominican uh, presence was huge david ortiz's actions after the boston marathon were tremendous and were like he's he's arguably the, the the most beloved figure in the history of Boston sports, yeah. which is saying something. Uh, and this knucklehead and the other knuckleheads that are doing this are really ruining... They're really just like just sending the city hurtling backwards into its ugly, terrible past. And it drives me out of my mind. And also, what makes it worse is then a bunch of people... On the internet, on Twitter, everywhere, feel like they have to try to defend Boston. And they say, well, it's not everybody. It's only a few people. It's this and it's that. And it's like, no, don't try to defend this. It's a there's it's a, a city with a terrible history of racism, and now racism is happening. Just own it, man. Like this, there's there's really awful knuckleheads in Boston who say a lot of ugly racist stuff. And by the way, you don't have to take my word for it if you t- there's all these athletes have now come out sabathia and and all the hockey players and football everybody has come they've come out and be like oh yeah it's really bad in boston so it's like well yeah so that's not that's not the only thing anybody should be saying about this is those people are the worst and they should be banned forever and ridiculed and mocked and driven out of the city because they're awful and so in addition to like the team like all this stuff about the team not getting off to the maybe the start that we expected and there's been a couple key injuries and all this stuff. And then you that's, that's like annoying, but it's annoying on a level where it's like none of it really matters because right. it's sports. This stuff matters, and it, it's just making everything a million times worse. So, the, yeah, it's been like in terms of like, you know, psychic energy, there's not a lot of good psychic energy <laughs> coming out of the city of Boston right now. Uh, and there's only happy – jaunty, upbeat, the future is golden and bright psychic energy coming out of New York. And that's making the bad juju psychic energy coming out of Boston even worse because it's like you look at New York and it's a giant multicultural happy party where everyone, every single ethnicity is represented. Everybody's in harmony and everybody's hitting. And it's like on on every level, New York right now is eating Boston's lunch for the first time, I would say in a while, like in any sport, Right. The Patriots have owned the Jets. Now, Allen is a Giants fan, so the Patriots have certainly not owned the Giants. But the Patriots have owned the Jets divisionally. The Celtics have owned the Knicks in basketball. And the Red Sox, until recently, have owned the Yankees in terms of success in the postseason and now I think that that era has come to an end. And now we're staring down the barrel of Aaron Judge being like, I'm basically, in my mind, I'm right now watching Aaron Judge's Hall of Fame induction speech. That's what's happening. I'm like, I can see it in front of me. I can see seven four five 550-pound Aaron Judge with graying temples being applauded in Cooperstown and talking about how, uh, he never thought when he was a kid that he would be the first major leaguer to hit 81 home <laughs> runs in a season.
0: And the great thing is you just – all you know is you just have to live through what's about to happen. Yes, like, it's like all that's in front of us. That's there. So
1: yeah. terrible. <laughs> it's all in front of us. You can't even say – I mean the number of times in like the late 90s that I comforted myself by saying, well, Mariano's, you know, whatever, 35. He can't pitch like this forever and then he kind of did. He kind of did anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but now the all of these jerks are 23, 22. How old's Aaron Hicks? He has got to be 23, right? Aaron Judge H- is 25.
2: Hicks is 27, he's been around a while.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well that's All stay. right. And,
2: and what, well, about he's, Luis, he's, what
0: about Luis? What about Luis
2: though. Um, you know, Aaron Judge was I think only the Yankees fifth or sixth rated prospect oh, by most it. places coming <laughs> into the season. Stop stop <laughs> do
0: don't, don't do that. Don't do that now. Don't
1: do that. We <laughs> do out. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing you did say, the, w- there's one tiny bit of comfort, which is the team can't hit like this for much longer. No, they, no. they really can't, right? Like, the, at some point, someone is going to cool off. I would imagine that Judge will cool off uh, only because if he doesn't, he will have had the greatest offensive year in the history of baseball, and that's not super likely, but some of these guys will cool off. Like, have you? How how closely have you scouted this team, Alan? How how many games have you actually watched? How many predictions can you make?
2: Uh, I don't know if I can make predictions, but I've watched much more of this team than I've done of any season of the last three or four. I just I got so bored with the team, and there's so much like TV I have to watch for my job that baseball games are really long, and I move past it. But now I'm actually making an effort, and I watched all of last night's game, for instance.
0: All right. Well, nope. I don't, I don't, we want predictions. I want predictions. What? How many home runs will Aaron Judge hit this year?
1: Well, I like this. Let's ask him. Let's ask him to make like twelve on the record 12 predictions on about the this.
0: record predictions that you will be held accountable for.
2: So okay. You... All right, I'm going to make some predictions, and then I'm going to throw out some theories for why this is happening. That you know would totally win the approval of the author of "Fire Joe Morgan." Um, <laughs> Great. Let's let's think here. Aaron Judge is going to hit forty-seven home
1: runs. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ouch. I, Wait, and, I'm, and, you know what? I'm actually going to write these down. Hang on a second. Down. OK, yeah. get,
0: write these down. I think that's important to to get these on the record. And by the way, he really might. He really might hit 47 home runs. I just he's he's the Yankees fifth best prospect. He cannot hit 47 home runs in his rookie year. This is uh, not acceptable.
1: All right, Aaron Judge, forty-seven home runs. Make 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 four more predictions about the team. Well, and in I think a,
0: we'll ask you. Well, let me ask you. I'll ask okay. you the question. What will Starlin Castro hit by the end of the year? All
2: right. Well, okay. This will. This is not me being a jerk. This will genuinely make him feel better. If you go and you look back at his month-by-month splits from last year, he was also really hot in April and pretty mediocre to bad for the rest of the season. So this could just be another hot start by Starlin Castro when he cools off. But his approach looks different, so I like that. You know, If you're using the eye test, which is the most important way to judge any kind of baseball player. Uh, <laughs> no, I think... Uh, what,
0: what specific number do you want? Right, give me just batting average. Let's keep it really simple. We're just going to keep a really simple. Or you can do OPS, whichever way you'd rather do it.
2: Uh, well, batting average is more important than OPS, so I'm going <laughs> to guess people hit. Castro is going to hit 275.
0: All right. All right. That's 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 legit
1: from your uh, lips to God's ears, my friend.
0: <laughs> How many games will 209 year old CC Sabathia win this year?
2: I'm really enjoying CC Sabathia's transition into being a crafty left hander because eventually every lefty has to become one. And, you know, he was like he seemed Hall of Fame bound and then he was old and terrible. And now he's crafty. So I'm going <laughs> to guess. Uh, let's let's say 15.
0: 15 wins for 493-year-old CC Sabathia. All well, right. the
1: team's going to score 11 and a half <laughs> runs a game for him. So so that that does get you there. Yeah.
0: How hard will Luis Severino throw before the end of the year? Because apparently now he's throwing 101 and he's 23 and he only seems to like be getting better. So will? I guess I would ask you, here's, a, here's kind of an obscure one. Average fastball speed for Luis Severino by the end of the
2: year. Well, I got—I got to say, Pedro was always the one Red Sox I didn't hate, and now I really like him because he's—he's he's helped you know
0: unlock Severino's what? potential. What was Pedro? What was Pedro thinking? Michael? Michael?
1: I—I I mean, listen, <laughs> there's a very weird. This was going to be my one last meaningless thing here, but I'll just share it now. There's a really interesting thing that's happening, which is in in like across sports, which is uh, athletes from from like famous rival teams actively helping each other. Like there was a thing, Isaiah Thomas the other night, after he scored 53 points in that playoff game against the Wizards, in his post-game interview said that he's been talking to Kobe, and Kobe has been like giving him tips and stuff on how to play. And it was a, kind of made some waves because like that's a, a Hall of Fame Laker helping a, you know, a current Celtic star, like, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That never happens, right? Right. Now, and then you also hear Pedro is uh, talking to Severino. I kind of, I know this is weird for me to say. (laughs) I kind of love it. Isn't it kind of great? Like, it's like, uh, it's like he, you know, look, they're, they're guys from the Dominican Republic. They, and like Pedro... Is like the most uh, maybe the most famous Dominican player ever maybe the greatest Dominican player ever Luis Severino's a young pitcher from the Dominican Republic Pedro calls him on the phone gives him some tips that's great I love that that happens I wish that Luis Severino played for the Brewers and so so that so that it didn't adversely affect my life on a daily basis but I kind of think it's great I it's hard for me to get upset at Pedro even though it's a betrayal of the highest order
0: <laughs> I agree I, I actually agree with that all, all the way through all right, Alan.
1: Average fastball for Luis Severino. At the how end in year? the world? See, this is this is how. What do you? What's the average fastball speed of any pitcher? What do yeah, we so even? Yeah,
2: I don't. I would just be pulling a number out of thin air here. So I'm going to say. Well, I don't I'm, I'm going to say 102. Why not? <laughs> All
1: <laughs> the right.
0: The average. How, how about this? Average. How about this? How many how many games will Luis Severino start uh, by the end of the year?
1: How, i uh, This is what I was going to say. Uh, Luis Severino's whip. Through five oh,
0: like okay. starts
1: is under one. It's zero point nine five. What is Luis Severino's whip at the end of the season? How about that?
2: Uh, I'm gonna go lower. I'm gonna say you know zero point four. Just, just, <laughs> I, I've gotten very realistic for a lot of these other predictions, so I'm gonna just go out. You're saying
0: one. I'm liking that Sterling Castro is gonna listen to this, and he's gonna like this guy just. He, everybody else, he's given him great years, and I'm hitting 275. Because of by the nine. way, just
1: just so you know, uh, I'm again a little one more stat to throw out here. In his career, in a, in 166 innings, Severino has 158 strikeouts and 53 walks, so roughly three to one, almost exactly three to one ratio. Yeah. So far this year, 36 strikeouts, six walks, a six yeah. to one ratio. He has doubled this success rate of his strikeout to walk ratio from his career numbers okay so you're saying a 0.4 whip so he's basically going to throw like 150 more innings and give up like 20 total hits <laughs> sure yeah okay all
0: right last one and i'm going to make this a little bit more specific who hits more home runs this year matt holiday or any of the red sox outfielders hmm. great
1: question great question
0: <laughs>
2: I, I gotta go with my boy Holliday. You know, wow. it seemed like a redundant signing that we paid him a lot. And then we also signed Chris Carter. But so far it's
0: worked out OK. And, you
2: know, by, I by like redundant, one you mean, old guy.
0: By redundant, you mean stupid, right? I mean, you don't mean <laughs> you don't mean redundant as in like, oh, well, you know, it's too much goodness with Matt Holiday and Chris Carter in the same team.
2: what's they, you know, they once they signed... Uh, Matt Holiday. they got Chris Carter for like a buck and a quarter. If they'd known he would be available <laughs> for that price to begin with, they might not have signed Matt Holiday. but Matt Holiday's played really well. And, you know, I – okay, so you want to hear theories on why they're this good?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Okay. Theory number one, Matt Holiday has come in. Culture change, you know, wise old veteran has taught the guys how to play. You mm. know, they, they didn't want to listen to A-Rod. They didn't want to listen to, you know, Brian McCann because Brian McCann's a red ass. But they're, they're listening to Matt Holiday.
0: I'm rejecting that. I'm rejecting that. I'm rejecting it. Fine, fine. I I know, man. I've talked to Matt Holiday, and that's not happening. (laughs) Okay.
2: Great theory number two, and I think, Mike, you're really going to like this one. Yeah, wait. Because the Yankees now have such a loaded farm system, all of the veterans are now feeling the pressure. They were in spring training. Labor Torres, you know, all these other guys were hitting like crazy, and so they said, I got to up my game, or I'm going to be replaced by one of these guys.
1: Interesting. Oh, what do you think, Mike? Uh, also reject that theory. <laughs> um, the true uh, story, the actual reason is that a, a 13-year-old boy uh, who lives in the Bronx rubbed a magic lamp. <laughs> and a genie came out and said, you have three wishes. And the boy said, my first wish is that every player on the Yankees plays way above his head for an entire season simultaneously and that, and that I don't know what the other two wishes are Well I ostensibly'll we'll find out later in the year but that's the that is the only plausible explanation that's the only scientific explanation I, that holds water.
0: I actually think there is another plausible expert, uh, one and that is that somewhere there is a portrait of these Yankees being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in somebody's house, and they're terrible. They're just terrible in that portrait, and that's what's happening. I, I, I think that's the only other really. I mean, not, not to knock the the baseball theories that, that Alan has. Do you have any other theories, Alan? Is that is that it?
2: Um, the, the, there's some curse of a rod potential. I mean, the the fact that uh, they won a World yeah. Series with him as their best player complicates it. But like the second they released him and they started playing El Gary, you know, the team has been so much more fun
1: more fun certainly yeah i'll give you more fun but uh i yeah i mean i think i think our next guest on this podcast should be a theoretical physicist <laughs> who, who explains to us about a multiverse theory where there's a parallel universe running alongside ours where matt holiday in his first 78 at bats doesn't have a 915 ops <laughs> but instead has a 512 ops with no home runs and one a sad bloop double, and the Yankees are, are 10 and 21, and everything is fine. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear science tell me that, that somewhere in the universe, in a parallel dimension, things are the way they should be.
0: I love that it's a sad bloop double, like there's an asterisk on it. It's like one double, yeah. and there's a little asterisk, and then you look a down Just a
1: sad, up. like sad. little, it's a little bloop double. It was a bloop double at Fenway that fell like 30 feet behind the first base bag and <laughs> hopped sideways into the stands, and then and then John Sterling's comment was, well, maybe that'll get him going. <laughs> and there was a guy at first, and he wanted to score, but he couldn't because he, could, he the didn't the get flat. the RBI, and, and afterwards, Holiday gave a, a sad, interview where he had an ice pack on his tricep <laughs> because his tricep has been hurting him and he said you know just taking just going out there taking swings trying to get back on track and i believe in myself and and inst- instead of him having a 915 ops <laughs> through his first 24 games that's what's happening in the real universe
2: well let me let, let me tell you guys something and this is i'm not sure i've ever said this publicly before and i'm i'm sort of embarrassed to admit it in 2004, in October, the ALCS is going on, and Hideki Matsui is single-handedly destroying the Boston Red Sox. And this was the year after the Aaron the Aaron Boone home run. Again, Aaron's are great for the Yankees for whatever Aaron's it is. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A-A-R-O-N. So um, th- it's, I'm listening to Game 3 on the radio. I'm in the car. I'm stopped at a red light, and it seems like a foregone conclusion. The Yankees are going to sweep the Red Sox, go on to the World Series. And I had this thought, and I actually said it aloud. I said... You know what? God, let them win just one, <laughs> <laughs> and then all this other Boston awfulness has happened, and I blame myself entirely for it, including the Super Bowl that the Patriots won several years before that. It's all my fault, and this is the these are the scales writing themselves finally.
1: So you're saying that you're that comment you made out loud about wanting the Red Sox to just win one game of the 2004 no, LCS. No, no,
2: no. I, wa- I wanted you guys to be able to so, win the World Series. I felt oh, to win bad. the World
1: Series. OK, I, OK. I felt
2: bad about the drought, the curse of the Bambino. All these people would live their whole lives sure. without seeing their team win, you know, despite you Ma- know, rooting for a garbage team. So they kind of deserved <laughs> it in that way.
0: Michael, how many years would the Yankees have to lose before you would ever want their fans to have a win?
1: what is the highest number of years?
0: <laughs> and then multiply that by two. No, whatever the <laughs> highest number of years
1: is would be, I mean, yeah, like I guess, I don't know. I, my son asked me today, my son heard uh, in school that, the, that someday the sun will run out of energy and it will blow up. <laughs> and he asked me when that was going to happen. And I said, I think I remember the number being something like 8 billion years from now. Yeah. So right the year before the sun blows up, the, there's the answer. The Yankees are allowed to win the World <laughs> Series again. <laughs> and then I'll, then I'll feel like everything is fine.
0: I think even we get to
1: that year, you're going, eh, nev- no, never mind. Not I would still be I would still be annoyed. It <laughs> would still be like, really? <laughs> oh, Come on. Fine. All right, fine. Give the him world. number 28. Fine. <laughs>
0: I mean, the world is ending tomorrow, next year. All right, fine. All right. All right. You know what? It's time. It's time for one last meaningless thing.
1: It's one. about sports and we draft things we know like how beaches are terrible places to go no hot fruit for michael nor diet coke for joe the pause cast whoa it's one last whoa
0: Michael, do you still have a one last meaningless thing?
1: Yeah, it was going to be the thing about how I kind of like this new trend about uh, of rivals helping each other. But uh, I'll just I'll I'll add one more one last meaningless thing and just say that if the Yankees win the World Series this year, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna quit. <laughs> I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm, here's what I'm quitting. I'm quitting baseball. Certainly, okay. I'm probably quitting sports. Okay. I'm quitting professional writing. <laughs> Uh, I'm leaving Los Angeles and my family and I will go, we we'll, we're going to buy a compound somewhere deep <laughs> in Idaho or Montana and we're dropping out of society. I'm going to go off the grid. I'll okay. have solar power and I'll have uh, oh, we'll use like rainwater to wash our clothes and I'm going to grow a long beard and walk around my property with like a crooked stick and just yell at birds.
0: I think that's fair. I, I don't see anything in there
1: that, that doesn't make sense to me. It's the only reasonable response to a Yankees <laughs> World Series title in 2017. Alan, do you have any one last meaningless thing? I out hope of you,
0: you do. Yeah.
2: Sure, I can, I can. I can do one. It's how do you guys feel about camping? Ugh. <laughs> see, there we go, Joe. Man after my own heart. Uh, my my son is in the Cub Scouts. They're doing a camp out weekend this weekend. He's begged me, we're going, I've got a tent, I've got sleeping bags, I've got stakes. all of this gear, and I'm going to be absolutely miserable and I will not sleep for one second of our time at the the camping weekend and I will come home a zombie because someone decided that even though we're human beings who have beds and air conditioning and heating and, and houses, it's still fun to sleep on the ground in a bag.
1: It's a, it's a, one of the weirdest things about modern day humanity that people still want to do this like I really believe that it's like we we worked so hard as a species to get to the point where we didn't have to do that and the idea that you would do it by choice is so baffling to me I do not understand it like I'm all for going like sitting outside at night and looking at the stars that's great And then you go back inside (laughs) under the roof
0: that
2: protects you from the
1: rain (laughs) and you sleep in the bed that's softer than the ground and you, uh, yeah, I don't, I literally don't understand it. The, the actual sleeping outside, I do not understand.
0: Did, isn't that why we invented windows? Like, they're there. Sure. They're, they're oh, it's just
1: it's why we invented all this stuff. It's why we invented indoor plumbing and faucets and, and pipes. It's why we invented air conditioning. It's like – it's so that we didn't – we weren't at the mercy of the elements. And then there's people who are like, no, let's go be at the mercy of the elements again. It's great.
0: How do you feel like people who like – you know you go back to, to cavemen type days um, and they would come like if you could somehow transport them and have them watch people like – pretend to be cavemen they like that would infuriate like look at these people you know with yeah. their stupid tents and like we had to really do this and actually fight off animals don't don't do this you don't have to do it anymore yeah
1: makes yeah. no sense makes, makes no sense.
0: sense all right my one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing is kind of personal i have a little personal thought but i'm going to say it anyway um so my my youngest daughter uh katie is she's like she's she's from some other planet. I can't, I cannot figure out what, what she, she's like the perfect child. And, and I say that with some reluctance, obviously, you know, you don't want to sound, uh, you know, like either, either like you're an over, uh, over proud parent or, or, but she just is, she just does every single thing. Right. She just, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Cause my older daughter, Wonderful as she is, not like that at all. She's just a regular kid. So my, my younger daughter, we were in the car the other day, and I've been trying forever to figure out uh, a way to describe uh, Katie in in sort of a few words where I could kind of explain to people, like, you know, without, without talking about teachers, like during parent-teacher conferences, crying uh, about how much they love her. Um, so I was trying to figure out, like, the right way to do this. She, we were in the car the other day, and out of nowhere, we just see a jogger. We were driving to school and she sees like a jogger and just out of nowhere, unprompted, she says this. She says, Dad, when I get older, I'm going to wake up at 530 every morning and go jogging and then I'm going to come home and have a healthy breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> she just, just literally just out of nowhere said that. And I said, you know, Katie, you, you're you probably will that's really that's really profound and the fact that you want to do that like as a 12-year-old girl and that is like your dream that you will someday wake up at 5:30 in the morning that sort of says who she is I, I it's weird i have no idea how she ended up in our family i, I had
1: think. i feel like you got to do a dna test or it's something it's
0: unbelievable
1: like i feel like there's a there's a decent chance based on that that there was a switched in the hospital situation
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true i i really believe that there's is, there's is a lot of truth to this i i's She's just uh, you know. I mean, obviously, I you know, I love both my kids, and and uh, you know the they they it's not that she she has her things. I mean, she has a little temper, and she does like it's not like she's without any flaw whatsoever. But she's kind of without flaws. I it's weird. It's really really strange. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So kind of a personal uh, one last meaningless thing uh, this week, um, Alan. I, I think first of all, thank you for for coming on here and and rubbing rubbing the Yankees in our faces. But, but I, but I, I I, I know, I know it was, uh, you know, I, I do think that this is something that we're going to have to check back in with you because if the Yankees somehow, I don't believe this is going to happen, but if the Yankees somehow go into the tank, uh, we want you back on here for sure. (laughs) And you won't, and you won't get to say a word the entire, you just have to listen to, to us mock you. I think that's, I think that's fair.
1: I feel like the, the, we should actually get a firm commitment right now <laughs> from Alan that after the re, uh, the day the regular season ends or the day the Yankees are eliminated from the playoffs, whichever comes first, you come back on the podcast and we, we review the year and how yeah. it went from now. We'll look at your five predictions, which are, again, Aaron Judge, 47 home runs. Right. Starling Caster hits 275. Sabathia <laughs> wins 15 games. Severino has a 0.40 whip <laughs> for the season. And Matt Holiday has more home runs than any Red Sox outfielder. We review those. We see how accurate you were. And then we also just discuss either the Yankees being in the playoffs, God help us all, or the future of the team uh, at the end of the season. How about that?
2: I'd be happy to do it, especially since I don't believe for a second that you will have saved all of these predictions between. Oh, no, they're that.
0: saved. Oh, they're saved.
1: I've really? actually already lost. They're already. I've already lost them. I don't know where they are.
0: <laughs> the great thing is that all of them are going to be wrong, except for Starlin Castro is going to hit three ninety. Like that's going to be the one that's going to be that's going to be like, oh boy, I really miss. I didn't realize that Starlin Castro is actually the greatest player in baseball. <laughs> it's unbelievable! Unbelievable. Well, Alan, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Uh, And we will have you back on talk Yankee baseball, Michael. What are we going to do in the meantime? What are we going
1: to panic? I'm going to panic daily. If you're interested in in a daily panic, uh, come hang out with me here in LA, and we'll just every day. I mean, I this is is so embarrassing. I'm well aware, by the way, that that as a Red Sox fan, it's weird that I still care about the Yankees this much, but I follow. Yankee games and Red Sox games in almost equal detail every day because of how like panicked I am about this.
0: Well, I've, I had to ask you, if, you if, if somebody made you the deal, hey, the Red Sox will not make the playoffs, but the Yankees won't either, would you take that deal? Oh, boy.
1: Is the converse true? if, in oh, yeah, other, if the yeah, Red yeah. Sox They're, make and, the playoffs, the Yankees not, and, also make the playoffs?
0: And not only that, Red Sox make it as a wild card.
1: That's the Yankees lot win music. the division. Oh, well, I right. wouldn't do that. No, <laughs> yes. if, if you're if you're saying either both make it or neither makes it, uh, I I mean I guess I take both make it, because Eagle. I want my team in the playoffs.
0: Even if it means the Yankees winning the division and the Red no, Sox? No,
1: I wouldn't do it if you told me that the, that the Yankees win the division and the Red Sox the wild card. I, wouldn't do, I don't think I would do that. Okay, so it's you're not, willing to now go. You're increasing, you're, you're increasing their chances of going on a, on a deep run, right? Like the, red, the wild card game, the Red Sox are a wild card team that could be out after one game. That's right, no Right,
0: that's true. That's true. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think, Alan? Would you do it? Would you, would you do the converse? You don't care that much about the Red Sox, do you?
2: Well, I mean, I'm annoyed when they succeed, but I, I guess I've kind of gotten used to it at this point. I, w- I would rather see my team make the playoffs. So if you're guaranteeing that, I will take it. Mike, I want to ask you one other thing, which has come up, which I've thought about a lot when you've complained about how the Yankees have never bottomed out. Um, the Red Sox have had these ups and downs the last few years. They've either won the World Series or they've been kind of lousy. Would right. you rather have a team that's either really good or really terrible or a team that's just like a B plus all the time?
1: I think really good or really terrible. Yeah, you have to take that. I think you got it because, you know, when your team's really terrible, there's usually some aspect of it that you can enjoy. Like you can watch, you can enjoy the new guys coming in or whatever. And if there isn't, you just kind of click off and you fall. I'm enough of a baseball fan that I'll get invested in the Astros storyline or the or the Cubs storyline or whatever the thing is that year. So I can still enjoy the sport, but I I, I think that I mean it's worse the, in basketball, right? The worst fate in basketball is to be the fan of the team that is the sixth seed in the playoffs That's every right. year, because That's you right. know they're never going to truly get a game changing player unless they get really lucky, and they're but they're also not they're not good enough or bad enough to to really help the team long term. So, but I, but there's and it's not quite that bad in baseball, but. It's like you don't want you don't want a eighty seven win team every year. It's just like it's just not. It's I mean it's good because they're relevant late into September, but it's also like it's just kind of like not exciting. Now you know? I want
0: the roller coaster. I definitely want the roller coaster. I will say this though, uh, being a fan of the sixth seed in the NBA is 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 terrible. It's not the the worst fate is being a Knicks fan. Wait, I mean that is hey, that know. is the singular. Worst I've, thing. I've been
2: smug enough on this podcast that I, I'll take that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that
0: is true. By the way, all right. Well, you know what? This was going to be my one last meaningless thing, uh, but I, I didn't want to bring it up. But I am going to anyway. So the other day I'm watching uh, ESPN and they have a commercial for Stephen A. Smith uh show which I, I never watch but but I see enough of the commercials to know you know what he's yelling about. And they, <laughs> they they make like a specific thing that he's yelling about. He's yelling get Phil Jackson the hell out of New York. Like that's his thing. Like that and he says it like four times. Get Phil J-. Who doesn't believe that? Like, like like they were making it like it was some controversial oh my god Stephen A. Smith look at this guy goes to the edge Is there somebody who's like, no, I like Phil Jackson, New York. That's a good match. That's worked out well. Is there anybody who feels that way?
2: At this point, maybe just Charlie Rosen. Um, (laughs) But it's really like you you can sort of like find people really trying to contort themselves to defend him and just saying it's all Carmelo's fault, even though Phil signed Carmelo to a max contract (laughs) with a no trade clause, which like only two other players in the NBA even have. So it's yeah it's it's a disaster I just don't
0: I it's a disaster and I'm sorry I just don't I think we've crossed a line like there was a you, you go up to a certain line where you're like hey you know Phil Jackson's a, a lot of success you got to give the guy time you got I think we know now, right? I mean, we, we do all understand that Phil Jackson is an absolute fiasco, right? I mean, that's. Michael, is that controversial at all?
1: I can't imagine it would be. I mean, what what what's the one good thing that he's done? <laughs> Literally, what's one except for Porzingis? Yeah, right. he, he hired
2: a scout who told him to pick Porzingis and told him to p- take or to trade for Willie Hernan Gomez, and that's about it. And now he's alienating Porzingis, who is like right? bred from birth to be an eager to please basketball playing robot. <laughs> when you have this guy so mad at you that he skips out on the exit interview and clearly looks like he doesn't want to be here anymore you have you have not just failed you have like failed spectacularly it's I, but also
1: know, it's not just that he's that he's bred from birth to be a Happy robot. It's that at a, at a legitimate seven footer, more than seven feet tall, he won the NBA skills challenge. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he's, ridiculous. he's 7 1 or whatever, and he beat Haywood, right? It wasn't Gordon Haywood yes. and, and a couple other people. He won the skills challenge, which is like agility and dribbling and kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. And it's like the, uh, that is the guy who can actually get Nick fans excited for years and years and years to come see play. They finally have that guy. And Phil Jackson has been like in some weird – we like twisted version of the old like psychological give shack philosophy <laughs> books to read, kind of like motivational stuff that he used to do, has just driven him away from <laughs> from MSG. We're relentlessly like with ve- like a vendetta. I don't know who in the world thinks this is a good plan.
0: No, that's my point. Imagine my point if you it, can't you can't give him Porzingis as a draft pick if the guy's like literal existence is to run the guy off. You can't give him the credit for getting the guy in the first place. I've already emotionally prepared myself for
2: the fact that Porzingis will be traded in the next year. I'm Ugh, I'm ready wow. for it. I, I believe it's going to happen because that's how incompetent and stubborn and out of touch this man is. It's bad.
0: Oh, yeah. good! I'm so happy to end on this. F90- <laughs> this makes me feel better; it really does. Well,
2: but at least I've got Aaron Judge now.
0: Oh, stop! Don't don't do it again. Don't start us again. We've we've been there.
2: Look, I'm, know. I'm a tall person, so I'm obsessed <laughs> with the success of other tall people. The Knicks have a seven foot three guy, and that's maybe not going to work out. The Yankees have a six foot seven guy who can hit the ball a mile, so that's kind of are you
0: Are you okay with all the Judge puns? Are you okay
2: with these? Um, I'm enjoying All Rise right now. Like I have, a, yeah, fr- I have, a, I have a friend who you know will text me every time he he you know hits a home run. But I think it,
0: it will get oh, old eventually. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait! Whoa! 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 Wait! Wait! You have a friend that texts you All Rise every time he hits a home run. Yes. Oh God, that makes me so sad. Is your friend
1: John Sterling?
0: <laughs> Is, Are
1: you friends with John Sterling?
0: It's not John
2: Sterling. It is actually someone who works in your profession, Mike, and he will text me all rise. He,
0: he did it last oh, night. I don't want to know who that is. I don't. <laughs> I'm going to figure <laughs> out who it
1: is and work as hard as I can to destroy his career.
0: All right. That's the way we have to end this thing. Michael is going to go out and try to find somebody to destroy his career. Alan, thank
1: you so much for joining us. Michael, as always, thank you. Joe, thanks for having me.